well, Sharon was playing the hallelujah part, and Pete will have to add in the hallelujah, so we will at some stage when we were singing, when we're singing it again. But turn with me in your Bible this evening uh, to Exodus 25. Exodus 25, we were there last week, but we're uh, a few verses before last week uh, as we were considering the golden uh, candlestick or the golden uh, lampstand, as we called it, a candlestick in the King James Version, but lampstand may be more accurate with its meaning. Where we're taking a few verses back to consider the table of showbread tonight at verse 23. So Exodus 25 and the verse 23. And we'll read a few verses from here and then a few verses from Leviticus as well. Exodus 25 and the verse 23. And this is the word of the Lord. And we read, Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood, Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit, uh, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, and make thereto a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt make unto it a border of an hand breadth round about. And thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. And thou shalt make for it for it four rings of gold. And put the rings in the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be for places for the staves to bear the table. Of course, that's when they were transferring the table. These staves would go through these little rings. And when they were on the move, it made the table easier to carry. And thou shalt make the staves, verse 28, of shittim wood. And overlay them with gold that the table may be borne with them. And thou shalt make the dishes thereof, and the spoons thereof, and covers thereof, and bowls thereof, to cover with, cover with all. Of pure gold shalt thou make them, and thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me always. Uh, Leviticus chapter 24 as well, please. Leviticus chapter 24 as well, please. And the verse 5. So what we have just read was the making of the table of showbread. And now we're just going to read uh, the requirements for the actual showbread uh, that was put on the table. Exodus, or Leviticus, sorry, chapter 24 and the verse 5, please. And thou shalt take fine flour and bake twelve cakes thereof, two tenth deals shall be in one cake and thou shalt set them in two rows six on a row upon the pure table before the lord and thou shalt put pure frankincense upon each row that it may be on the bread for a memorial even an offering made by fire unto the lord if every sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord continually, and being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be Aaron's and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place, for it is most holy unto him of the offerings of the Lord, made by fire by a perpetual statute. And we trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts. This evening, I can't quite believe 
that we're nearing our journey's end through the tabernacle. I certainly, as I've studied it again, have learnt a lot. And I hope that you've enjoyed and been blessed by what the Lord has been teaching you as we've gone on this journey together. Really, the tabernacle and the tabernacle's journey, we've seen many pictures and types of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been able to study those. They've taught us many wonderful lessons, many things about the role of Christ in the life of the Christian and how he fulfills these in the lives of us, his children. And of course, you'll hopefully remember by now the journey through the tabernacle from the entrance at the east gate into the courtyard where we saw the altar of sacrifice on to the labor. And of course, the, the, the entrance into the gate reminded us of Jesus Christ being the only way. It was the only way into that courtyard, the east gate. And then the only way to pass through on into the tabernacle was by the way of sacrifice. And of course, we thought of that little lamb, that wee lamb that would have been brought along and the Israelite would have sacrificed it. And that would have been a reminder for us of how John the Baptist one day cried out as the Lord came over the hill, behold, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And how that wee lamb would have been sacrificed for the sin of the Israelite. And we're reminded how the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the ultimate sacrifice, the one who gave his life so willingly for us. We travelled on then of course to the labour which was just outside the door of the tabernacle just here and the labour of course it reminded us the importance of God's work and how it cleanses our hands and it cleanses our feet. Uh, the priest would have to fully cleanse himself before entering the holy place and if he didn't cleanse himself or he got his approach to the holy place wrong he was a dead man and of course uh, we were reminded as well how the Holy Spirit ministers to us through the word of God in that particular week. And then, of course, we took a step into the holy place. This first section, of course, is split into two places. God willing, next week we will consider this section. But we've been spending a lot of time in the holy place. And we began at the altar of incense. And there at the altar of incense where the sweet aroma was constantly burning, filling the holy place with its smell Reminding us of our Saviour's role in each of our prayer lives. Of course, as that incense arose, it reminded us of the prayers of the saints and how they left to heaven. And also it reminds us as that sweet savour that the Lord Jesus Christ is that sweet savour in whose name we pray. If we didn't pray in the name of our Saviour, truly it would be pointless praying because our words would just hit the ceiling. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, in the last two weeks, we spent time considering the lampstand, sometimes called the menorah. And, the, of course, the golden lampstand, it taught us of the centrality of Christ, how we have must root our lives in him. And, of course, the seven flames that burn shedding light in the tabernacle, teaching us the importance of the work of the Spirit of God, how it illumined the tabernacle. It was the only source of light in the holy place that allowed the priests to go about their daily business in there. If without the light, they wouldn't have been able to do anything. But that light shone, and it filled the holy place, reminding us of our great need to be filled with the Spirit of God. That's been our journey so far. And this evening we arrive at the table of showbread here at the other side. And the table of showbread is where we will spend our time this evening. 
Now this again is just a representation of what the table of showbread may have looked like. We don't know, but this is uh, what some artist has decided it may have looked like from the descriptions in Scripture. And there's a couple of things that, by way of introduction, that we quickly want to consider um, as we consider the table of showbread. I want you to think about its structure. As the priest walked into the holy place from the outer court, it would have been on the right-hand side. Uh, there the table of showbread sat. It was also sometimes called the presence bread, is what it may have been called. The table was three feet long and a foot and a half wide and 27 inches high. It was made of acacia wood or shatim wood. And this wood was then covered with gold. You may remember from earlier studies that we mentioned how Shatim wood reminds us of our Saviour's humanity, but the gold reminds us of his deity, and he indeed is fully God and fully man. Of course, we've mentioned that before, so we won't go over that again this evening. Now, on top of the table of showbread, there would have been 12 loaves of bread. And of course, there were, these were to represent, or they were there representing the 12 tribes of Israel. One loaf for each tribe. And these were baked fresh each week. And a recipe is given to us. We read it together this evening in Leviticus 24 verses 5 to 9. That was the recipe uh, for these uh, loaves. And that would have had to be followed. We're not told how big the loaves were. But from the amount of flour required. We know that they would have been quite large. It's most likely I believe that the flour would have been given by the people of Israel as a gift to the Lord. Now that's a bit about the structure and a bit about the bread that was on the table. But the other thing that I thought was extremely important to note was that each Sabbath, the old loaves were removed and eaten by the priests in the holy place. And then the new loaves were put in their place. And the loaves were especially made of fine flour and they were known as the bread of faith, or as we've mentioned already, the bread of presence, because they were set before the face, or they were set before the presence of God who dwelt in the holy place. Now, as we come into the presence of the Lord with his people each Lord's day, we feed on the bread of life, the word of God. We lift our praises to him in prayer. That's what happened in the holy place, in adoration, in singing. Remember in the New Testament, it was the discipline of early believers to meet on the first day of the week for the preaching of the word and worship and prayer and to break bread. And without the Lord, we cannot exist. And in turn, we ought to meet with him and his people each Lord's day to worship him. Too many these days don't hold meeting with God's people and worshipping together with great importance. Yet these priests had to enter the holy place and eat this bread as an act of worship every Sabbath. Dear friends, let me say something tonight. Never make excuses not to meet with God's people on the Lord's day. I don't care how good the weather is. I don't care if a trip to the north coast would be lovely or a trip down to Newcastle to the Mourn Mountains. There's many Christians these days who take the Lord's day to do these things. Let me tell you the most important thing you can do on the Lord's day is meet with God's people and worship him. 
the way he is commanded to come here to the local church and to worship God the way he has called us to in the first day of the week. It was the pattern set by the apostles. It was the pattern set there in the New Testament. And therefore, we ought to be there. Now, I'm not really sure if there's a huge link with the table of showbread and the Lord's table. But it is worth noting in passing that we should be remembering our Savior each Lord's day as we break bread together. Let me point out one more thing. And here's how serious and solemn this activity that the priests were doing on the Sabbath was. was. If they got it wrong, I've said this so many times throughout this series, if they got it wrong, they could have died. That's how serious, that's how solemn this was. This is how holy our God is. And we read that this death could have happened in Leviticus 22 verses 3 to 9. And in light of this, if you're saved tonight, you ought to be with God's people. I'll say it one more time. When they meet in the Lord's day. And let me tell you this. You ought to never want to miss the Lord's table. Personally and scripturally. The most important meeting that we have on the Lord's day. Is when we gather after our family service. To meet around the table. I want to tell you something. That is the only meeting that is commanded that should happen. In the New Testament on the Lord's Day. They met together for the preaching of the word. And they met together to break bread. That's what we're told. That was the pattern in the New Testament. Therefore dear brothers and sisters. You make it your priority. Each Lord's Day. To be found around the Lord's table. Now as usual. As I've tried to do throughout this series. I want to try and make this table of showbread. As practical as possible. But what does it do for me and my walk with the Lord? What does it mean for me tomorrow when I get up and go to work? When I get up and get up to go about my daily business? What lessons can the table of showbread teach us? Well, firstly, within the table of showbread, we see a picture of friendship. We see a picture of friendship. These 12 loaves were called showbread, presence bread, or the most literal meaning was bread of faces. And the presence of these 12, 12 loaves in the holy place couldn't help but remind the priests that they were serving the 12 tribes of Israel, God's chosen people. And through the table with the 12, um, through the table with the 12 loaves, it was clear that God was present in the camp and that the 12 tribes were present before God. It represented their presence before God and God's presence with them. And I believe the table and the bread paints a picture of friendship with God. Where do I get this idea from? Well, if I were to invite you round to my home, or if someone were to invite you round to their home, generally speaking, at some stage during that visit, you'll gather around a table of some sort, some shape or size, and you'll eat and enjoy one another's company and friendship and fellowship. And the priests would have at the bread from the table in the holy place, signifying friendship and fellowship with God. Imagine God wanting friendship and fellowship with sinful man. This was the whole point of the tabernacle. You remember that from our first study 
when we thought about why study the tabernacle, the whole point was that it was God showing that he wanted to dwell with man. You remember how Moses, when uh, the children of Israel had disobeyed God and they'd made this golden calf, and how Moses, when he was speaking with God, Moses turned and he said, I'm not going any further unless your presence is coming with us. And immediately after that, that's when we find the instructions for the tabernacle having been made. God wants friendship with man and it was God wanting to dwell with his people you also know that the 12 tribes are also clearly represented in the priest's clothing we're hoping to do a study in that God willing before this year's out I think we'll run out of time before the summer uh, but it is my intention to do a study on the high priestly clothing as well I thought it was important to go through the tabernacle first before we went on to that but just for this evening on the the priest's clothing that he would have worn the, the tribes were represented in the jewels in the breastplate and shoulders of the high priest and when we combine the images of the loaves and also the image of the jewels you learn that the lord feeds his people in the bread and he bears them on his shoulders and he carries them over his heart how the lord he is the sinner's friend. We sang it earlier. Thou art the sinner's friend. So I thy friendship claim. A sinner saved by grace. When thy sweet message came. Mine, mine, mine. I know thou art mine. Dear Christian tonight. I wonder has the going been tough. I wonder are you here at the prayer meeting tonight. And really you're under a cloud. Nobody around you really knows how today has been nobody knows about the burden that is weighing you down tonight and it seems that there's no friend on earth who really cares maybe it's a family member who's ill maybe it's your own health maybe it's financial pressure maybe it's your job that you're struggling with listen you have a friend who sticketh closer than a brother his name is jesus and he knows all about your struggles. And you can cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because he careth for you. You don't have to be alone in your troubles. Don't struggle alone. Leave your burdens at his feet. And let him carry you through. Keep calling on him. Don't give up. Tell him how much you need him in your situation that you're in. And lean into his everlasting arms. God loves us. And he fellowships with us. And he wants friendship with us. Saved. Sinners saved. Only by his grace. And God wants fellowship with you and I. And of course the Lord Jesus himself proved this very point while he was here on earth. Didn't he sit down and eat with sinners? Had he not done this it would be no hope for us. He is the sinner's friend. Remember the Pharisees looking on as the Lord Jesus was sitting with sinners. Do you remember what they said? They said, this man receiveth sinners. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. They got it absolutely right for once. This man receiveth sinners. And I'm so glad he receives sinners because I'm a sinner. But I have a friend in Jesus. So many hymns portray this thought. I'm a great lover of hymns as you know. Another hymn we sang tonight. I found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. 
He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The lily of the valley and him alone I see. Oh, I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow, he's my comfort. In trouble, he's my stay. He tells me every care in him to rule. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. Undeserving we sing, mine, mine, mine. I know thou art mine. Eating together. Often it's an act of fellowship and God was willing for man, a priest, to enter into his presence to fellowship with him. In Revelation 3 verse 20 we read these words. Behold I stand at the door and knock. This was written to the churches. Behold I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Remember it was written to the church. That verse, is Christ inside or outside our church? There can be no fellowship when Christ is left outside. Friendship, that's the first picture we see here in the table of showbread. But the second picture we see is security. Security. You see, the loaves rested on the table. And this reminds me that Christ carries his people. The table being that representation of Christ. Remember the shatim being his manhood. The gold being his deity. Fully God, fully man. And the, the, these loaves representing the 12 tribes of Israel were sat upon the table. They rested upon the table. And we rely on the Lord's strength and power. But also round the edge of the table, there, there was this raised golden lip. It was a few inches high. To make sure that the loaves didn't fall off. That's important to note. There was just a wee lip around the edge of the table. And that made sure that these loaves weren't going to fall off. And this reminds me of my secure position in the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll remember that last week we were discussing the baptism of the Spirit. And I said once we are saved and the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us. He is there to stay. And that speaks of our eternal security. Once saved, always saved. That's biblical. Remember in John, in John we, we read those words. How the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, I am the bread of life. And how the bread reminds us of our eternal Lord who himself proclaimed he was God. And he alone can give eternal security. For he said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. And he goes on and says, I am the bread of life. Of course, when we speak of eternal security, how could we not mention those lovely words from Romans 8, too, shall separate us from the love of Christ, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't it wonderful to know that no matter what life throws at us, we're eternally secure. Isn't it wonderful to know that? You see, we have Christ's preserving love. We have his omnipotent, effective, protecting love that doesn't spare us from the calamities in this life, but brings us safe to everlasting joy with God. 
Paul makes this crystal clear. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. We are, we are safe and secure in his wonderful love. Oh, how he loves you and me. The table shows us a picture of friendship. It shows us a picture of security. But finally this evening we see a picture of beauty. A picture of beauty. That You see, on each of the loaves, there was frankincense put onto them. And this reminds me that Christians are to God the fragrance of Christ. For in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, we read these words. For we are unto God a sweet savour of Christ in them that are saved. For we are unto God a sweet savour of Christ in them that are saved. I remember earlier this year as I read through the Bible reading those words again and they just hit me afresh. We are to be and live lives as a sweet savour of Christ in them that are saved. What a challenge. I wonder, does your life give off a sweet savour? Or the way you live, I wonder, does it stink? It's a good question and challenge for each of us to ask our own hearts tonight. But the good thing to know is our attractiveness is not found in and of ourselves. It comes from Christ's beauty and holiness in us as we seek to obey his commands and walk in the spirit. Wonderfully, the fragrance of Christ, it's sufficient to make all the loaves smell wonderful, even if they have been baked in fire. This frankincense that was applied to the loaves was so very important. And we, as we see, and as we consider the beauty and the, the smell, the sweet aroma that would have came off these loaves as the frankincense was put on them, all of a sudden we start to see all the pieces of furniture in the holy place all come together. We, we see how they all complement each other and how they all work together. This, the table and the loaves were in the holy place, illuminated by the light from the lampstand, which was the presence of the Spirit of God, and then, of course, perfumed by the incense burned in the altar as well. It would have been a sweet-smelling place to be in the holy place. So we have the lampstand, the Spirit of God, who aids us in our understanding of the Word of God, seen in the bread, and our prayer seen in the incense rising up from the altar. And you get that. Where does the Lord prepare us to do his work and serve him? Is it in the committee meetings? No. Is it at the prayer meeting? No. Is it when we even gather together as a church? Well, we sharpen one another. Yes. But where does the Lord prepare the individual heart to serve him? He prepares it in the quiet place. Time set aside in our individual lives worshipping him the holy place was a quiet place away from all the busyness of the rest of the camp it's where they came in and it's where they shut the door as it were and they simply served the Lord and worshipped him and that is so important in our own lives that we are shutting the door and we're worshipping him that's where the Lord prepares the heart for service you know it's sometimes we can be so, as we approach the Lord, even in our quiet times, we don't take it as seriously as we ought. 
This is where the Lord prepares our hearts. This is where the Lord meets with you and challenges you. This is where you should come each day and say, Lord, show me where I'm going wrong. Show me my sin and forgive me for my sin and help me to live for you. Our prayer should be, as the hymn writer wrote, just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus, this my plea, daily walking close to thee, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. You know, there's so much more that we could cover in the tabernacle as a whole. And there's so much more that we could cover in the table of showbread. But all that being said, we want to be encouraged and challenged through our studies, not have long theology lessons. So I trust that our study this evening has been of some good to you, that you'll be challenged in your walk with the Lord, but also that you'll see the beauty of the Lord that you'll see that you have a friend in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who sticks closer than a brother, that you would see that you're secure in your salvation with the Lord, uh, that just you would see the essence of Christ found here in the table of showbread, how God's people were represented through those loaves that were set upon him. You know, as God's people, we will fail. As God's people, we will stumble, preacher included. But how good to know that we have a Savior who has wrapped us in his clothes of righteousness, propitiation, that our sins are forgiven, clothed in his righteousness alone, and that's how we'll stand before the throne someday. I'm so glad that I have friendship with the King of Kings, who cares for me, who loves me. I know that we would remember that we're Secure for all eternity. No matter what life throws at you. No matter what you go through this evening. You have a God who loves you. Who has secured you. And who will be with you for time and eternity. Let's pray. And we'll come to our time of prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the many lessons that we have learnt as we've gone on our own tabernacle journey. We thank you, Father, even as we consider this table of showbread tonight. It comes with such encouragement to our hearts tonight. And Lord, we needed that. We thank you, Father, that as we look at this table of showbread again, we see Christ in all his beauty. We see Christ in how he secures us and how as we have put our trust in him that we know that no matter what comes our way that we will forever know that we will one day forever be with the Lord. Father, thank you for this wonderful thought that we're eternally secure, that we can never lose our salvation, that Father, that day and hour that you saved us, that we were saved for all of time and eternity. Father, help us not to take it for granted, Thank you, Father, that the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross and there he purchased our salvation. And Father, we rejoice tonight. We come with hearts of such thanksgiving. Father, it amazes our hearts that you would be the sinner's friend. It, it thrills our souls. That Father, you would look down upon this earth so undeserving. You rightfully should have just destroyed it and been done with it. And yet you set your love upon us. And Father, we praise you and thank you that you are the sinner's friend. 
We thank you that the Lord Jesus, while he was on this earth, that it was said of him, this man receiveth sinners. Father, here we are, sinners who have been received. We come to this meeting tonight with hearts of gratitude and thankfulness. Father, help us to serve you as we ought, as we think about these lovely encouragements that we've heard tonight. We praise you, O God, and we thank you, O God. So, our Father, we pray as we come to our time of prayer just now that you would bless us. And as we pray together that, Father, indeed you would just encourage our hearts as we listen to our brothers and sisters pray. And, Father, we long indeed that you would hear our prayer again this evening and that you would be pleased to answer. We ask this in the Saviour's name. Amen. Amen.